Failure is not an option. What difference at this point does it make? Nobody said it was going to be fun. This is Real Talk, a fearless, poignant, and intrepid show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. It's a shame, not of this world, so we live on the run. We keep our eyes set, eyes on what is to come. It happened before, it will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. Hi, it's recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayward. And aiding me in my recovery is a generous dose of real talk from my friend Audrey Russo. Keep listening to her or suffer the consequences. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. With each passing day, the lies of the Biden regime are being exposed. The lies about no treatments available for the virus was a lie. The lie that the emergency jabs were safe and effective was a lie. Will the election fraud be the next lie to be exposed? Well, we're going to discuss this and more with my next guest. For my new listeners... Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney, USAF retired, was the former assistant vice chief of the USAF and director of the Defense Performance Review, reporting directly to SecDef and the vice president when he retired after 35 years active duty in 1994. He's a frequent military analyst on TV and national radio, including the Fox News Channel, and he's a member of the Citizens Commission on National Security. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Dr. Peter Hammond. <laughs> welcome back, Peter. Thank you, Audrey. Always good to be back with Real Talk. It's always great to have you with us, and we're going to jump right in here. <laughs> I don't even know how to approach this. Uh, there's a totalitarian madness in Australia, and for the listeners who are not aware, and I'm sure you're not aware because you're not talking about it in the media here, lockdowns, forced vaccinations, etc. Australia is under some kind of dystopian military-enforced lockdown, despite 
less than five COVID deaths a day. Did a military coup occur and they forgot to tell anyone? Looks like the leaders in Australia thought that George Orwell wrote a manual on how to run a government, <laughs> not a warning. Uh, because literally, you know, as we were talking last time about the Prime Minister of New Zealand saying, you know, we're the Ministry of Truth, you know, mini-truth, uh, we're the arbitrators of truth, trust us, don't listen to anyone else for source of anything, we're the ones, we'll tell you what you can trust, what you can take, what vaccine you need, and so on, just, you know, gov.nz, that's it, and uh, so, honestly, you've, you've literally got the government as the arbitrators of truth, and it's not just New Zealand, it's Australia too, and the trouble with these two countries is they've been both disarmed, and what happened was there were false flag operations with some hor horrific uh, shootings and uh, next thing you knew the government came to collect the guns so basically uh, the government misuses the guns uh, in a false flag operation to stampede the herd to handing over the guns uh, you know hand over your guns to the very people who caused the violence in the first place and you know i guess it's like let's trust stalin to protect us <laughs> uh, that kind of idea, or Mao Zedong, gun control worked so well for those other thugs. So uh, what you've got in New Zealand and Australia, some of the tough people of past, you know, the crocodile dundees, it seems, have mostly become uh, puppy dogs who just uh, are taking what it is. There is resistance. There are people standing up and speaking out. But I'm afraid it's a small minority. The bulk of the population seems to be willing to have endless lockdowns. And yet it seems that more people die of shark attacks worldwide than die of COVID in Australia. Yeah, and yet, it, yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, some video clips have escaped from there. They've leaked, and it looks like a prison camp, and that's what they're being mocked for uh, on the world stage, that they look like a prison camp, Australia. Yes, I, I've even got uh, some friends from South Africa who've moved to Australia or New Zealand in order to get away from uh, what they've seen as increasing totalitarianism here in South Africa, only to find themselves with less freedom of speech, less freedom of thought, less freedom of movement than we have, and a lot less freedom to evangelize than we have in South Africa, which is quite bizarre when you think that we've effectively got a communist government here in South Africa of Marxist terrorists and revolutionaries, and yet we at least can speak up and resist and we can march and protest and all that sort of thing and evangelize our neighbors. And yet in Australia and New Zealand, the thought police are out there. And, you know, it's extraordinary when you think how many people die of cancer every year. 50,000 Australians die of cancer every year. And yet they are making a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to COVID, where as far as we know, um, the only... Um, cases, it's something like 150 corona cases a day in the entire Australia, which is a vast country. And they're speaking about something like 2,000 cases over the last month, associated with about eight deaths, virtually everybody over 70 with multiple other comorbidities. So they actually died with COVID, not of COVID. And you'd wonder, what is the story when it's far more dangerous to consider the threat of cancer and of tuberculosis and a whole range of other things. I mean, honestly, uh, car accidents, uh, drowning, this, uh, yeah. hitting your surfboard against a barrier reef are all greater dangers than COVID-19. But um, 
this is what the people are willing to put up with. So they've had 18 months of total lockdown, and that means nobody into the country, nobody out of the country, complete lockdown. And then you've got the thought police coming along like the KGB, kicking in doors and arresting a pregnant mother, for goodness sakes, for a social media post on Facebook where she was skeptical about the benefit of masks. And she's saying, and it's being recorded the whole time, I've watched this, where she's saying, but I haven't broken law. And they said, yes, ma'am, you have. How did I break the law? You posted on social media a post that could incite people not to wear masks. <laughs> and they're handcuffing a pregnant mother for a social media post. Can you believe it? Uh, no. And, uh, as a matter of fact, there was one, one guy I saw the, the video of where the cops stopped him at night uh, on the road and said that they want him to come. He says, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't want to go to the hospital. They just stopped him. And obviously they knew he wasn't vaccinated, and they said, we just need you to come to the hospital with us to talk to a doctor. And he said, I don't want to. Why, you want to give me the, the jab? I don't want it. I, and they said, just don't make this difficult. And then two other police cars pull up, and they want him to come, not because he's not a mental patient, escaped he was he just hasn't gotten jabbed so what i don't understand do they realize that the world is watching them i know the communists are, are applauding it but everyone else is watching them what happened there what, what's the mindset it, it's very strange so um I, i've been to australia a few times on missions and i've uh, driven around there quite a bit and one thing that strikes you is what a docile uh, population it is that you could be in the desert with nothing in sight for as far as the eye can see and it's a clear day and the road is as straight as a ruler and the person's plodding along at 100 kilometers an hour which is in miles what uh, 60 65 miles an hour maybe and the car can do a lot more and there's absolutely no danger and there's not a pedestrian site there's not a coyote to be seen and i said to my driver why did you go fast he says my well, speed limit's 100 and 100 kilometers now that is. And I said, so? And he says, oh, we work on the merit point here. Uh, if if you have a certain amount of demerits, they can take away your license and your car. <gasps> and uh, they've got people so docile that you can be in the middle of the desert as straight as a pancake, as flat as it comes, and, and the person won't dig over the speed limit. That's how docile have got the population. So the next thing that struck me is I'm... Um, uh, arriving at the speaking tour and I'm at the church uh, where I'm box and I pull out my knife at my pocket and immediately one elders goes gasp <gasps> where did you get that from what's my knife uh, how do you get that to customs what's my bag I mean, it's a pocket knife for goodness sake this this isn't a, a massive sheath knife even not that I would have thought that would have even been a problem but this is this is a, a decent sized pocket knife and um uh, this, this man looked like he was getting a fit, and I was thinking, you know, what's happened to Australians? Next thing I start bringing out my books, and he says, did you declare those books at the border? I said, no, I'm a guest speaker at a conference. He said, well, you can't just bring books into the country without declaring them. It it, uh, it might take jobs away from an Australian. And I said, I don't think there's any Australians writing about the killing fields of Mozambique, the Holocaust in Rwanda, or Faith and Defiance Sudan. I mean, that's pretty a niche market. I'm the only one who's written those books. And uh, I'm the conference speaker. Since when can't you bring in books? No, you've got to declare these. At so I'm dealing with these, uh, I don't know what to call them, wimps, who just looked like they were all um, terrified of Big Brother who's watching them. 
uh, from George Orwell's sort of scenario. The, the next thing is I go and join a pro-life group on a morning, a Saturday morning uh, demonstration outside the local abortion clinic. And this is in Brisbane, uh, uh, Queensland, uh, on this occasion. And um, while we're standing there, a couple of people come in and, you know, we're very polite and chat to the people. Australians are very, very um, quiet. I mean, you don't get violent demonstrations like you might get in my country or yours. And uh, so, you know, this is just amicable discussions. And um, next thing, police van turns up and out come these police, uh, kitted out like they're ready to uh, storm uh, some kind of hostage rescue situation, you know, battle dress kind of things. And um, tell us that we've got to move. So my host, who's a pastor, says, why? What law have we broken? And the policeman says very politely, no, you haven't broken any law, but I'm, I'm ordering you to move away. And so he says, but we haven't broken any law. He said, no, but we've had a complaint that some of the people inside they feel uncomfortable about you being out here. So my host says, but uh, they're killing babies in there. And the man says, well, that's not my concern. Uh, I'm giving you a lawful order, and if you don't obey it, I'll have you arrested. Oh, my God. And again, the question was, but what crime have we committed? What law? No, you haven't broken any law. Well, how could you arrest us? Well, that would be for refusing to obey a lawful command of law officer. And uh, so I then <laughs> made some comment uh, because I had been informed that in Queensland, abortion is still illegal. It hasn't come off the statute books of that state, the state of Queensland, abortion is still illegal. Right. And so I said, but I thought that abortion is still illegal in the state of uh, Queensland. And the police officer raises his hands above his head and says, that's above my pay grade. You've got to take that up with the politicians. Now, you know, here, abortion's illegal. They're killing babies in there. And that's not my concern. That's above my pay grade, but I'm ordering you to move. And then he stopped and he looked at me and he said, that's not an Australian accident here. Where do you come from? So I said, South Africa. He said, show me your passport. And then he immediately said, you are not permitted to take part in a demonstration in Australia as a foreign citizen. You are. And I said, but we're part of the Commonwealth. And he said, that's not my concern. <laughs> oh my God. And he, he took down my passport details and said, if you are reported taking part in any other demonstration here, you will be expelled from the country. Now, that was just a few years ago, and um, uh, that was welcome to uh, thought police in Australia. Unbelievable the, that they can think that they, even when, oh, I can tell you another thing I brought up. I, I said to him, but that's unconstitutional. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, yes, it is. And I said, Magna Carta. And he said, What's Magna Carta got to do with anything? I said, Magna Carta is the great charter of 1215, and uh, you have got an original copy of Magna Carta of 1297 as the centerpiece in your parliament in Canberra. In fact, the entire architecture of the Australian Parliament is built over it. It is at the centerpiece, and everything is built upon it, not only symbolically, but actually legally. All the laws in Australia are built on the principles of Magna Carta, which is the first statute, the first written restriction on the powers of government. And uh, this is what made him um, demand to see my passport and threaten me that I'm not allowed to take part in any demonstration in Australia because I'm a foreign citizen. So uh, here they've got Magna And by the way, they had a big celebration in 2015 
on the 800th anniversary of Magna Carta, celebrating this Magna Carta in Parliament and the whole country, massive celebrations on it. And yet, despite all these, and, you know, Magna Carta's got such basic principles like innocent till proven guilty, uh, tri trial by jury of your peers, and uh, all of that sort of thing, habeas corpus, and uh, so many good principles. Freedom of religion is the first of the principles in it too, by the way. So uh, you would have thought Magna Carta would be pretty important, but it meant nothing to this policeman. And then I was told uh, by the um, uh, pastors around me that, in fact, in Australia, uh, nothing is the law over there except what the government says. They don't really recognize any basis in law. Everything's arbitrary. And they don't regard Magna Carta or any other of the Bill of Rights as anything binding on them. The law is whatever the bureaucrats say. So somehow in Australia, they've moved away from government by law to government by decree, irrespective of what the foundational legal principles are. Oh, my gosh. They, they've destroyed themselves. They handed themselves to the communists. Basically, this is, this is the thing. And you remember the principle, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And I'm afraid the Australians have not been very vigilant. No, and I, uh, we, were, we were bad enough here in our country that I am just stunned that they have done this to themselves. I, they have handed themselves over to people who, had, who were either communist at heart or have communist leanings because they are not free, are they? No, th that is not freedom. We were plainly not free to, to assemble or to uh, protest. We weren't free to uh, have a different opinion. Uh, we weren't free to uh, be able to um, have government under the law. It, it was plainly just arbitrary. Some bureaucrat with a badge and a gun uh, tells you what you've got to do. And as you know, they have disarmed the Australian citizens. And the Australian citizens are basically a, a disarmed people who, who are completely at the mercy of a government that's increasingly arbitrary. And uh, I know that we see a lot of abuses of power in America and in Britain in South Africa too, uh, and yet uh, what we see in Australia is far more advanced, far more deadly and serious, and I think one of the reasons is the people in Australia have been on the beach or surfing or something along that line, but they have not been vigilant in, in opposing uh, these draconian moves of government, and it, it should be a wake-up call to all of us, because the people in Australia for 18 months have effectively been prisoners, not allowed to travel in and out, not allowed to, uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the uh, pictures of uh, what's going on in Victoria, where the police act like they're the KGB, you know, beating up people for uh, walking the beach, for being in the park, uh, coming along and uh, telling people they're not allowed to be in a park, and the person says, but I'm allowed to be in the park for exercise. Yes, for exercise, but you're not exercising. Well, I'm just resting. No, when next thing they're forcing the person to do press-ups and so on in the park because the person was sitting down and was taking a break in exercises. And since when are the police running around trying to determine how much exercise you're doing and how much you can do? And, uh, you know, a person sitting on the grass in a park far from anybody is somehow a threat to health. It's this kind of arbitrariness, you know, that, the idea that they can go into your home and grab you for a social media post or take you from your car and try and forcibly get you inoculated. And they've said their goal is everybody must be inoculated. So there's no freedom of conscience uh, respected, it seems, under the present Australian government, which is absolutely shocking. Uh, yeah, well, it's clear that the head of uh, Jacinda Ardern is in league with um, Xi, 
but what what of the government down there? Because that's uh, you know what kind of deals does it look like they may have made with Big Pharma or or even G for that matter? It, it, uh, is there a, yes. a relationship between Australia and China? There is. Uh, in fact, uh, you know that uh, China has pumped a lot of people in there, and many maps in China they actually refer to uh, Australia as New China, and uh, the Chinese wow. government has a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have a goal of using Australia as a major colony, and China is um, more than coveting it. They're moving their people in. I don't know if you also noticed recently how the New Zealand government, who's meant to be part of the uh, Five Eyes, uh, along with uh, Canada and Great Britain, Australia and the United States, for um, being concerned for security matters in the Pacific area. And um, New Zealand refused to accept the designation of China being a threat. And they said, no, China's not a threat. They're our most important trading partner and this, that, and the other. And so you've got literally a refusal by the New Zealand uh, political leaders to allow their military to regard the possibility of China being a potential threat. And you would have thought they're the greatest potential threat, not just for the world, but specifically for Australia and New Zealand. Right. You would think so. But unfortunately, their leaders apparently have made some uh, lucrative deals for themselves uh, and the, and they are torturing their people. But uh, Australia, I, I am I'm shocked. I thought that they were fighters and that apparently is gone. Yes. Yeah. Well, there are there are some people in the population, whether we're talking about five or 10 percent. Uh, it's hard to tell. The government itself does not seem to want to tolerate that uh, 5 to 10% of those who resist and who protest. There have been some pretty large protests, and yet the police have cracked down harsh, especially in Victoria State. Again, because there's no uh, nobody allowed to travel in or out, Australia is a closed country, effectively a closed country. I mean, you know, we used to think of closed countries being like North Korea. Um, but at the moment, some of the most closed countries in the world are New Zealand and Australia. Nobody allowed in, nobody allowed out. My gosh. At all. They've literally drawn up the drawbridge and brought down the portcullis. Insanity. You know, I wanted to get an update because the last time we spoke, there, the, the violence, we were actually seeing it in a few different outlets here in the United States. We saw the the uh, violence occurring in South Africa. Has any of that calmed down or are they just not covering it here anymore? Oh, it has calmed down from the initial chaos, but, uh, you know, to count the cost, it's colossal. 50 schools uh, looted and torched, 40,000 businesses destroyed, uh, one and a half million people put out of work, uh, pharmacies looted, over uh, over a thousand uh, ATM machines, automatic teller machines looted. Uh, the destruction, over 50 billion rands worth of damage and the price tags keep going up. And the, when they say the death toll is now over 370, now the reason why death toll has risen is sometimes they're discovering other bodies amongst the, the ambers, uh, the ashes of these burned out warehouses and factories oh. and shops and shopping oh, centers. Goodness. But in other cases, it's people who were on the critical list and who've died since in hospital. Uh, but nice. then there's others saying that's not possible because just in our one town of Phoenix alone, there's a Phoenix in Durban, um, <laughs> they've got uh, in that one play, uh, one suburb of Phoenix, they said they've got over 300 bodies in the morgue that they can't identify and uh, asking for help. So we get the impression the government is lying just like governments seem to inflate the figures of COVID deaths, they seem to decrease the figures of people who die 
from catastrophic failure of the state security apparatus. When, when the government failed, when the security failed, when the military failed, uh, and uh, then somehow it seems they seem to just uh, take a zero off whatever numbers there are. Uh, whereas with, when it comes to COVID, they add zeros. Yes. So <laughs> I suppose I say, well, it's just zeros. You know, what difference does that make? Yeah, sure, exactly. Uh, I want to come back onto our shores now. We have uh, Mayor de Blasio from New York City. He can't get reelected, thank God, but he is mandating vaccine passports for New York City, which will, of course, put the final nail in the coffin of small business. And uh, he, is he doing this because of the virus? No. It's because he's made it a, a clear, this is not, he's abundantly clear that he's doing it because he wanted to be the first mayor to do, to have a vaccine passport uh, in America, not for the virus. It's being viewed as racist since most of the black community and a large part of the Hispanic community refused to get the jab. And the interim mayor, this is really fascinating, the interim mayor in Boston, who is a uh, black female and Democrat, said she would never implement what de Blasio has done because it's racist. So the communist left has been using slavery against our country to assault it into submission. Now it looks like it's coming back to bite them in the tuchus, isn't it? (laughs) Hmm. Yes, indeed. And, well... It's interesting that in Europe, uh, and I've got friends and family in Europe, and they inform me uh, that uh, they are regarding in Europe, and Europe is, as you know, uh, pretty bad, but they're regarding if you have had the virus and you've recovered, that is good to go. You not only don't need a vaccine, but you should not get the vaccine if you have recovered from COVID. In fact, it is mm-hmm. extremely dangerous. Medical professionals have said it's it's extremely, extremely dangerous for a person who's had a disease and recovered from it, who now has all the antibodies and the best immunity you can get, to put an, uh, an injection into them of, of that disease. They say that is not only unnecessary, but it's actually dangerous and should never be done. And yet I see in your country and mine We've got governments trying to bully us to take the vaccinations, even in my case where I've had COVID and I've recovered from it, as has everyone in my family and everyone in my mission. And uh, it was worse than the average flu, but it was nowhere near as bad as hepatitis, tick bite fever, malaria, or any of the other things that we've had to live with and get over. Um, So uh, we are saying, no, we will not get the vaccine under any circumstances. And I think uh, there's some very helpful tests. The americasfrontlinedoctors.com and the childrenshealthdefense.org have put out a, a fact 14 questions to help you make a decision of vaccines. Are the mRNA vaccines experimental? And the answer is yes, they are experimental. Second, have they been safely tested in animals? No, they have not. No. Third, have they been subject to medium or long-term safety testing in humans? No, they have not. No, have in fact, have they been tested on couples interested in having children? on pregnant women? No, they have not. And uh, the chances of high um, sterility and all of that are are very serious and another reason why many countries are refusing these vaccinations. Fourth, are the effects of vaccines reversible? No, they're not. Will the vaccine stop you getting COVID? No, they will not. In fact, many people who've had the vaccines are still getting COVID and many who uh, have had the vaccine are still spreading COVID. And next question is, Will the vaccine allow you to stop wearing a mask? And as you know, the question, the answer is no. You still got to wear the mask. And do the vaccines contain genetically modified organisms, GMOs? Yes, they do. 
do the AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson vaccines contain aborted human cells? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. You would think pro-lifers would say, well, that's the deal breaker of all deal breakers. I'm not taking a vaccine that contains the DNA of aborted right. Uh, babies. Right. And uh, but they do AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson. So this is there's so many things that are concerned. Do doctors have concerns about the mRNA vaccines on term fertility? Yes, they've got very serious concerns. Is there a risk of autoimmune diseases, strokes, seizures, convulsions, other side effects, you know, like heart attacks, strokes, and death? Yes. Have the vaccines caused any deaths or injuries? Thousands, mm-hmm. according to, you can go on to uh, VAERS, and uh, not just in America, but in England and so on, adverse effects of vaccines. And officially, we talk about thousands of deaths, hundreds of thousands of mm-hmm. incidents and of uh, injuries as a result. Are the vaccine manufacturers liable for injuries or death caused by the vaccines? And the answer is unbelievably no. no. All these uh, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson Johnson, uh, Pfizer, all these producers, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Pfizer, they are immune yes. from liability. They uh, can you imagine it? That you know, if you were say a taxi driver, mm-hmm. and some are you immune from any injury caused to your passenger, or you are a hairdresser and you're immune from, you know, if you happen to cut off your um, uh, a person's ear or something by accident. No, can, can you imagine any occupation on the planet where you are immune from liability yeah. for civil or criminal penalties? And so uh, this is disturbing. And as uh, Children's Health Defense points out, uh, that the uh, these vaccine producers, well, that's not a real vaccine, but they call it a vaccine, yeah. uh, AstraZeneca, Johnson Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer are serial criminal um, uh, felons. They have had to pay over $35 billion in fines for other medicines, not for vaccines because they're immune from that. But in court in America, they've had to pay over $35 billion in admission of guilt fines for things like lying, putting uh, dangerous things in in their uh, uh, products and killing people, you know, things like that. And so why would you trust manufacturers who have a a long track record, a long rap sheet of criminal activities? These guys are serial felons. And now we're trusting them with immunity from liability for vaccinations. And let's vaccinate everybody on the planet. Planet. And the people who produce it are immune from liability. Yes, it's a, yeah. And it's, it's yeah, it's a win-win-win for them, but it's a lose-lose-lose-lose for us and and just for the listeners so you know, all of the vac- all these so-called jabs have been developed using f- uh, fetal tissue from aborted baby parts. So just so you know that uh, two of them have some in and we really don't know since they've been lying to us all along. We don't know if the other two don't also have it, Moderna and Pfizer, but they also have been and they admitted it. They have developed them using fetal tissue. So if you're a pro-lifer on religious grounds, you should reject this. If we let them force us to wear masks and deprive ourselves of oxygen, including children's school day, and if we let them put in some untested toxins into our bodies, injected straight into our bodies, and even into children, what else could you possibly uh, resist the government from doing? Th- this is insanity that we've got to the stage where you don't even have a conscience choice on my body, my choice when it comes to whether you want to breathe oxygen or want to uh, try to breathe something through a mask. And if you can have some kind of untested experimental GMO 
pumped into your body yeah. uh, by injection. So if we don't resist this, then honestly, we slaves, not free anymore. That's it. That's it. Uh, t- t- three simple words. Do not comply. Period. Yes. You know, and the period's not a word. That's right. <laughs> it's I think do- this, this, is, this yeah. is where the friends of Daniel are such an inspiration. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood before Nebuchadnezzar, and he, when he said, you must bow, they would not bow, they would not bend, they would not burn. <laughs> Our God, whom we serve, is able to save us, and he will. And even if he doesn't, we still won't bow before your idols, nor will we serve your gods. We need to get that resistance, that backbone, that steel in our backbone again. And uh, we need to earn the title of Protestants. We need to resist, say no. No. Very simple. No. Peter, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and purchase your books? Where can they do that? Thank you. Yes, uh, on Frontline Fellowship, uh, we're on social media on, on the web. The website is www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org. And you can email me at peter at frontline.org.za. Peter uh, at frontline.org.za is my email. And www.frontlinemissionsa.org is our website. And yes, we putting up pictures and articles on the riots and the looting and all the crazy things that have been going on here in South Africa. One really needs to learn from it because um, uh, obviously whatever is here is coming to America too, which is why I also wrote the Safety and Security Security and Survival Handbook because uh, we're living in a dangerous, unstable time and we need to be prepared. Absolutely. And as always, I'll have those links to my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com, click on the honor button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Peter just shared. Thanks so much again, Peter, for sharing your brilliant assessments with us. We look forward to your return to the show. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Thank you. Amen.